Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Andy Daniel, social media coordinator for MPN, and I'm here with Michelle Lewis and Mike Smith. They are MPN members, uh, longtime advocates, and have been in a long-term relationship for 27 years. Welcome. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. Great to hear from you guys again. Today, we're going to focus on healthy relationships, what it was like for you guys to be in recovery and in a long-term relationship. Uh, So the first question I have for you is, what do you feel has been key to having a healthy relationship in your recovery? Well, I think one of the things, especially in recovery, the best thing we've done is have our own personal recovery plan. Aside from having a recovery plan or, say, a wrap plan for our relationship, but knowing that we would work our own personal recovery plan. I think that after understanding and knowing each other for a a while, knowing that we were going to be best friends, you know, till the end, I think that's probably the most important thing that I believe. So with that in mind, you know, there was a lot of things we learned that reinforced that. And one of them was living the values and ethics of rap. I think that, you know, supporting each other in their recovery would be to each have their separate recovery plan. I think that we would have to treat ourselves like a, a normal relationship. And that goes along with saying that, you know, years ago, relationships were quite a bit different than now. And I think the, the reason why people split up is because of the old stereotypes, you know, where the man goes to work, he comes home, and the woman does all the cleaning, all the cooking and everything. But I think, you know, things have changed now where it's a 50-50 relationship now, you know. And you have to be interested in each other's interests, but you have to also respect each other in our situation. We, we have our own recovery plan. Our recovery plan is what keeps us healthy. We have separate recovery plans. And, you know, and I, I think that when we're talking about recovery in particular, having our own recovery plan helps us stay healthy enough so that we can be healthy in the relationship so that we can take care of ourselves and we can treat the relationship as a healthy entity. And also, I guess I wanted to talk about this when we uh, uh, in the outset saying, how do you be in a relationship in recovery? I think part of it is I didn't, I didn't go into this relationship thinking, well, I have to treat this relationship differently because I have a mental health struggle or because I have physical um, 
and mental struggles. I, I actually just run it as a part of my life in the sense that I don't give it any special attention other than knowing that I have a wrap plan for my relationship with Mike and I have a wrap plan for myself, which is part of my life. So in a sense, I suppose not unlike my own disabilities, especially like my physical disability that I've had since I've grown up, it's just a part of me. So this mental health struggle is just a part of who I am. So the relationship is something just, just, just a normal part of life. Andy, this, this is just kind of crazy in the sense that I don't see my relationship with Mike any differently than I might see my sister's relationship with her husband just because I have mental illness. I don't think my relate her relationship of 36 years isn't any different than my relationship of 27 years with Mike. I don't think it is in a different playing field just because I, just because we have mental health struggles. And so some of what Mike was alluding to, I think some of the keys to the longevity of our relationship, that's where I feel the key to having a healthy relationship and recovery. Well, what I was trying to say is, we each have our separate recovery plan, and we do not force each other's recovery plan onto the other person. Where we have our own ideas of what works for us and what helps us be healthy, yet we don't force that on each other, and we don't try to influence ideas. Well, I think I do. I'm going to no stop. Way, I'm not that. <laughs> I interrupt them too, Andy. <laughs> yeah. On the other side of the coin, we have we share a lot of interests in our recovery plans that are similar and that keep us healthy because we have some things where we're not in common that help us, but we have some things that are very very common that help us, especially in the lines of really being healthy with our our food plans, and I think that. Supporting and understanding each other's recovery plans is really important because if you ignore the other person, things can really go wrong if you're a supporter. And I think and I think that you hit a key thing, Mike, with supporting and understanding the other's plans. There's been times when I have really been, I believe, supportive to Mike in the early warning signs of maybe something that's going on and saying, hey, I see this. Uh, so, you know, what do you think you should do? Do you think you want to institute this action plan you have? Or what are the action plans you have? And, and so it's really helped intervene earlier. And he does the same thing for me. So I think maybe that's a little different. I don't know that other people might have that in their toolbox. Other people might not have that in their toolbox that don't have wraps um, or recovery plans for themselves or for their relationship. That they can, you know, approach each other with maybe some helpful communication and some suggestions for intervention that that has been already written in their plan. So I think that helps. So you said you each have recovery plans, but you ha also have a recovery plan for your relationship? We do. It needs to be updated because of just some changes in our lives. But some of the things that kind of stay the same, we have some daily maintenance things that stay the same, like we have breakfast together, we have dinner together. These are daily things that we have. We have evening time together that we that we have together. We typically go to, to you know to, to bed at the same time together. 
We have wellness tools like date night and coffee dates and these kinds of things that we, we throw into the action that we throw into action plans. Even we have tune-ups sometimes. We call them tune-ups with a therapist, counselor every so often. If we find our communications out of sync, we like, we're like, is it time for a tune-up? You know, and um, so that's kind of like in our toolbox um, for our wellness tools. We have family time on Sundays. We cook together too. Um, we have, a, like Mike said, a shared passion for our food plans and our eating, our ways of eating. So we share that. We both go to Weight Watchers. So we have a lot of things in our toolbox that are very much shared common interests that help us with our action plans for things and triggers. I was thinking about this before the, the podcast. So sometimes we'll go to a family function that can be rather triggering and we know that it's going to be a trigger. Like there's so many people there or maybe there's just been some tension in the family and we'll, we'll we will pre-plan an activity to leave the house, leave that activity, leave that function and say, let's go for a cup of coffee. Let's go for a stroll through Walmart together. Although that's not always, if it's late enough at night, it's calmer. <laughs> but, you know, we will, we will try to get away and do something for ourselves to decompress from that stressful situation. And we found that to be a helpful thing. Have you, Mike? Yes. Things can really be a struggle at times because not only with our our home business that we work you know with wellness and recovery consult we have outside employment now where we actually work for an employer there's times where you know we have to we don't have that relaxation time that we used to have and we have to really kick it in gear around the house and during meals and everything else. So it's become, I think it's brought us closer together. Say, hey, I'll do this, or she'll say, oh, I'll do this. And, you know, oh, we, we just really. Pizza nights. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So our relationship has evolved in so many ways. Years and years ago, we, we didn't work. We were. We were unwell people, and now a lot of things have changed. It's just amazing how healthy a person can be and how healthy a relationship can get because of it and vice versa. So you guys have been together for 27 years, which is pretty amazing for anybody, let alone people in recovery, right? So what... Things do you think are, are vital to that longevity in your relationship? Well, you know, one of the things I think, and I think we've kind of been talking a little bit about it, is that we have to create space for, it's almost like it has to be its own entity. You have to create space for the relationship to exist. And so Mike was alluding to the fact that we live and practice the values and ethics. I'm going to let him talk about that in a minute, just because he they, he, he loves to talk about that, and so do I, but he got to talk about it first, so I'm going to let him. I let him do things. That's, that's what's <laughs> lovely about our relationship. <laughs> he lets me think that I let him do things, and then see how that goes. We all have our roles. Uh, um, uh, it goes beyond pa- – a healthy relationship really has – you know, of 27 years really has to go beyond passion. As Mike, you know, Mike talks about, we're best friends. And like he said, although we have common interests, we have to – respect that we have different interests he loves to fish and i'm like afraid of bugs and the outdoors and so you know he's he and he's really good about 
that kind of thing. But we also have the common interests too. He talked about that we have find our groove, right? So he's like, there's those stereotypical things, but we don't fit into that role. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons we don't fit into those stereotypical roles. Not only they're not stereotypical anymore in society in general, but because of, because of, I guess this might be what makes us different in recovery, but because of my physical disabilities, I can't do some of the typical all the time housework. I, I do some of it, but, but I really get tired and physically worn out from that stuff. So I do a lot of the paperwork, organization, scheduling, mail, you know, bills, all this kind of stuff. And Mike really helps out with like laundry, but Mike does a lot of the dishes and he does a lot of the housework types of things, you know, cleaning the floors. Um, actually, he does a lot of the laundry too. So, you know, but he does all of the, you know, I'm like, you take care of the cars. You know, that's kind of stereotypical, I think. Like a lot of people say that's the guy's job, but not in this day and age, you know, that's and everybody's job. And he's awesome about that kind of stuff because I don't think without Mike that I would be able to do or live in the community the way I do because he, really, really is my physical being of mobilizing around this apartment and around the world sometimes. I mean, I just got a new brace that I have to wear 100% of the time now, and I'm just adapting to that. And Mike is great about helping me out and understanding those kinds of things. And that compassion and empathy is, is just, it means everything to me. Just incorporating those wellness tools that I was talking about and our shared passion for advocacy around mental health and having the type of home business that we have. And honestly, I truly believe shared religious views is a really important thing because you're not shouldering how you believe one way or the other. I, I mean, I'm sure it works out for some people, but I think it would be really difficult if, if we didn't have shared religious views and political views. So, Mike, what's your two cents on it? As far as the values and ethics go, the key one, I think that we live every day is that we have unconditional high regard for each other. Usually the values and ethics are rap, right? Right. And I think we didn't have that all the time, but we do now. And I think that's the key to our longevity of our relationship and there's a lot of guidelines that we we have the same beliefs and it's just awesome you know we don't believe in diagnostic language we believe totally there's recovery we've come so far in our life lives so if you so so when you say that it's like if you were having a tough time i don't say hey are you hallucinating or and you don't say hey are you manic or you know you don't, you just say hey or you, you just say you know i'm noticing that you're spending some money <laughs> you know yeah. you, you show it like you tell me what it is you don't name it like you right. don't label it right? Right. right you don't label it you know so i i think that that's you just it's what it is instead of some label you know or, or i notice that you're talking really fast and not making a lot of sense Michelle <laughs> you know so right. I, I think I think that's what's good is it it's like it's a re it's real it's like you know I notice you're not sleeping instead of saying what instead of trying to clinicalize it or make it a diagnosis I might notice one thing or the other and I just I just say what that is rather than saying hey your your diagnosis is showing up <laughs> you know what I mean 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a focus on that particular symptom, right? Not the whole diagnosis. Right, and address those things one at a time. Address it as it comes. And a lot of times, I have a thing in my rap that says, if you don't, if you see two of these together, that's the thing to worry about. That's when to worry, when you see two of these. Because sometimes mine will be so fleeting that if you worried about everyone you saw, you'd be up in arms. So <laughs> you have to see a couple of them together, right? You know, oh, Michelle, I'm noticing, you know, you're agitated. And saying the same thing over and over, you know, okay, okay, I see it, you know. And it's really been helpful to have someone kind of in my backyard that I trust. I think that's the key, that if you've got to be able to trust the person and say, you're allowed to do that for me, you know, not just everybody, but you are, I'm giving Mike the express permission to bring it up to me. Because not everybody has the express permission, and I'm walking down the street and said, hey, Michelle, I noticed this about you. Or (laughs) I don't give permission to everybody to ask me if I've taken my meds that day. So what other things have been challenging in your relationship? I guess this is another place where I think we're normal. I mean, finances are tough in every relationship. We, We do have a job, and we have a small business and we, you know, but we have a fixed income to a point. And I think that trying to decide how you're going to spend your money, waiting for the money to come in. I, that's, I think one of the number, I don't know, I've never done the research, but I think that's one of the main reasons people struggle and disagree in relationships. I mean, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think finances is probably the biggest thing years ago, episodes of illness, or being unwell was a real big thing. We made it through those rocky times. We haven't had that, you know, in quite some time. I think it goes back to the boundaries issue because when one person would get sick, and it would be exhausting, and it would exhaust the person, depending on how well the system responded to that, it might exhaust the person, and then the other person would get sick, and then the other person was sick. And then it was just like this hamster wheel of situations for a while and you know it happened every couple of years and it was like this is not this isn't right this isn't right but for the last 15 years we've been in a great place where we haven't dealt with that stuff we've had our internal where we didn't have to involve a lot of assistive in our care outside of ourselves we've been able to take care of ourselves at home according to our plan which has been helpful because I think we haven't had that be an extreme stressor in our life. But I think owning our own business, I mean, because when you have your own business and it's in your house and you have all these things to do, you just don't know when you're supposed to really sit down and watch TV or do something else. You're always in your mind going, should I really be in there? Because I'm slower at what I do because of some of my vision issues and other things. I just am slower getting things done. So I'm like, should I be in there doing that? Should I really be doing that? You know, I, I'm always questioning whether I should be stopping my what I'm doing in our business. So that can be stressful, you know. And so that that can take away our that can take away from my own personal wellness, which then takes away from the family wellness. And in the past, we did not have our custody of our daughter for quite a few years, and so we had to co-parent with uh, we didn't lose any parental rights so we we co-parented with my parents and that was very 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 stressful and uh, and and because it was a stressful thing that was put on us 
it was stressful on the relationship, very stressful. But that has since dissipated because she's 26 now, so she's grown up. And But these were the kinds of challenges that happened in our relationship over the years. I, I want to go back just a little bit to the episodes of illness or not being well, because I know that people want to come into a relationship and it's understandable that people want to go into a relationship with people that they, that might understand them, which sometimes then leads people to go into relationships with other people that are unwell. And I think that is one of the things that I finally said was unless we have wraps that work, this may not work. And, and we start to implement them effectively this may no longer work because it was exhausting. It was not for the lack of love. We loved each other dearly, but it we wasn't good for our health after a while. So if a person wants to be in a relationship with another person, I think the most important thing, you know, when you're starting a new recovery, people don't want you to get into a relationship with others. I can kind of see the value in that, but it doesn't matter when you get in a relationship with others. You need to be in a relationship with yourself to be well and make a commitment to be well, people find their peers and they find, they find empathy and they find love with people who understand them. So really most of the struggles that you're talking about are struggles that all relationships go through. I think it doesn't matter whether you're in recovery or not. Those like finances and, and sharing duties and, and who's going to take care of the house are all things that other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that goes back to what I said in the very beginning when it said, you know, what do you feel has been a key to having one? Is it treating the relationship that it's, if it's normal? Because it is normal. It's kind of like being in a relationship in recovery. I think the best thing you can do to make it last is don't treat it like it's sick. Don't treat it like it needs to recover. Because because there are even to meet a lot of things like you just said that are normal like like everybody runs into. The one thing I will say that the, the biggest threat that to our relationship though was something that may not be something people just run across, and that's that came from the system, mental health system. When Mike got sick one time, significantly uh, unwell, I should say, uh, didn't recognize they did not recognize our family because several times and oftentimes. People will get together for a couple of months or a couple of weeks at a time. And I think that made them callous to the fact that, hey, we've been together for years and years and years and years. You know, you need to treat our relationship. We were used to treating our relationship as a unit or as a as its own entity. And so they didn't recognize our family as that entity. Like, you know, here's Mike, here's me, you know, you're looking at two separate people. And then you've got this family that developed. And it's its own thing, too, you know. And so they were not looking at it as that. They were like, if you have a problem, you need to go to your person. And if he has a problem, he needs to go to his person. And it was like there was a situation where he was not able to take care of himself. And I was, but yet they were expecting me to take care of him. But they weren't letting me ask questions or have help with his situation it was, it was a mess. It was just a mess. And so, because we're not married, there was HIPAA issues because he was not well. And so it was very, very hard. Even though in his rap, it said, I will not like, I will kind of disown Michelle in a sense. Beware, this is what's going to happen. They didn't acknowledge that. 
They didn't acknowledge that that would happen. They didn't listen. They didn't hear. So I think the biggest betrayal of our relationship was from the system because we had been together for 16 years at that point. It, it was kind of sad to me. It was really sad. And as an advocate, you know, I'm pounding on doors. I'm doing what I can. And, and then I, I was not well shortly after. And they didn't listen to my rap. I think that's the biggest threat to our relationship. The illness itself and the, the un, being unwell definitely was a threat. But then not being able to be you know, part of it. So we've spent most of this time talking about the challenges. What aspects of your life together generate hopefulness for your futures? I think no one will be best friends forever. We enjoy doing so many things together. We share a lot of beliefs, political views. We raised a child who comes over here and eats with us, laughs, has a lot of fun. She just loves us dearly and we love her dearly. Karaoke night. <laughs> yeah, karaoke night. We we both went back for each other in the worst of times. We've been there in the best of times, shared those moments. I think that just knowing those things, it's like a continuing inspiration that just keeps continuing. I think just knowing, too, that, I mean, I enjoy... Mike's company. I don't know. You think that that's just silly, but right. I mean, of course you do. But you know, when I when I look through the window and I see him coming home from work and he's carrying his books and he's coming around the corner and coming the door, and I still get a smile in my heart that I know things are good because it's 27 years and 27 years later, my heart still skips a beat, and that's something. You know, that's really, really something. <laughs> I mean, and Mike has really, he's got my back, you know, and, and I know he's got my back. I mean, my speaking of my back, my back's really been hurting and he'll, he will get out of bed and help me if I'm really having a difficult, a difficult time. Perhaps my back's hurting so bad I'm having a hard time getting down the hallway in the middle of the night. He will help me. He'll get up and help me. I mean, he, there, there's not a thing that I asked Mike to do that he won't do for me. And so those kinds of things bring hopefulness because I know that I can count on him not to do things for me, but knowing that he cares, knowing that he genuinely cares about my well-being and that he loves me is something that means the world to me. We continue to foster common interests. Uh, it's important to encourage each other with their interests and give that person space when they need the space. And the time you're together, make that quality time. I think I lack in that area. And I I think about that once in a while. And I think I need to improve there. But I think that's important to the time you're engaged with your partner is the time to make that quality time. I, and I think that's another key to a successful relationship. It's been really wonderful talking to you guys. I think so many people think that relationships, when you're struggling with something, a physical illness, a mental illness, an addiction, is doomed to failure sometimes. And you guys are a great example of how that's not true and how relationships for people in recovery are pretty much just like everybody else's relationships. 
So thanks for joining me today on this Recovery Talks podcast. And be sure to check out our other podcasts. We post one every week. And if you'd like to be a guest on a podcast or you have an idea for a topic, just send us an email. You can email me, Andy, A-N-D-I, at mtpeernetwork.org. Have a great week. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.